your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. One, two, three. Hi, everyone. Welcome to special presentation with Mike and Ethan, or... Elf will not be seen tonight. First of all, Happy New Year. This episode is airing on New Year's Day, so we made sure to record it in advance so we wouldn't have to work. So, how's your how's your New Year so far? Are you uh, sleeping off a uh, miserable hangover? Doubtless, because if there's one thing I love to do on New Year's, it's it's drink. Yes, drink. Um, that's and, you know, wear a lampshade on your head and. You know, oh yeah, you know, spin um, those crackers and get in a big crowd at the at Times Square. I, I love watching the you know the ball drop. Yeah, I just you know I think that that's what you do on New Year's, right? Yeah, uh, and then you stand on a chair and you eat twelve grapes. I love the thing where you go like, and all acquaintance be forgot. Because nobody remembers the rest of that song. Yeah. Why are we all expected to sing in in Scottish? You know, what is this? A Burns Supper? Firefly, you almost sonsy face, great cheat to the pudding race. Oh, I didn't know that was Scottish, but that makes sense. I guess that explains it. Well, you know, Scott. Scotland. Scotland is the home of the new year, so. <laughs> okay. Oh, I didn't know that. They didn't they forgot to mention that in this movie. You know, where's the <laughs> where's the big desert in Scotland? Well, you know, the, the have you notice all that the the New Year's babies are all uh redheads? Oh yeah. Oh. Well maybe it's I guess they're Scots Irish. <laughs> yeah. I mean I guess all the New Year's babies except the you know, the one in question for this yes. uh New Year's that we're talking about this new yes. year that almost wasn't, but then it was. Um, yes. Once again, we are taking a, a detour from comic strips into the wonderful world of, uh, of Rankin Bass's Animagic specials. Or are we Mike? Did I you mean, know? was this originally a comic strip? Uh, not originally, but I've just discovered there was in fact a Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer newspaper comic. Really? Was it owned by the uh, the department store that owns Rudolph? Or yeah, it was. Let's let me see if I can find it again. I, I Darren, I should have gotten the uh, the uh, <laughs> link set up for us. Uh, let's see, Rudolph, Rudolph comic strip. It's 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 pretty rare to find anymore, but it do, does in fact exist and to this day. Ah, here it is. It ran in 1956. Wow. Yeah, uh, I mean, so I'm not surprised that you've never heard of it. It ran in 1956 and was drawn by Robert L. May. And hmm. as you can see, it looks very uh, Disney. Um, It does. This this uh, really has that kind of Carl Banks look to it. Marks. Yeah. 
Oh, Karl Marx? Sorry. Barks. <laughs> oh, Barks. What did I call him? Banks. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of Uncle Scrooge, you know, with all the money yeah. in the bank and it. Yeah. Oh, Karl yeah, Barks. <laughs> understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, not just. Yeah. Oh, not just. Uh, how long did this last? Uh, probably about. Si- probably about six to eight weeks. I think it was a special thing uh, for the. Uh, you know, special thing for the uh, holiday season. They used to do that a lot. They used to just run a temporary comic strip in the newspaper to advertise things. I've wow. actually got a big collection and we need to, we need to sink our teeth into this once in a while. Someday we've got, I've got a big collection of the temporary comics that ran to advertise the Disney movie that was in theaters at the time. This is something oh. they were doing from the forties to the fifties. So there's like a Peter Pan comic strip, a Winnie the Pooh. Well, I mean, you've probably seen the Winnie the Pooh comic strip because it's so bizarrely cynical. I have. I uh, I didn't realize that was a. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I guess I would it would have had to have been temporary because not around anymore. But I have seen the uh, the Winnie the Pooh one. Mm-hmm. Then again, some of them ran for a long time. There was a comic strip called Scamp that was a spinoff of Lady and the Tramp, and that ran for like thirty years. Oh, I think I have seen that one. It's the 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 their kid, right? Their... Yeah, the pup the pup that looks like Tramp. Yeah. Right, right. I have seen that. It's uh, not very good. Well, maybe no. it's good for kids, you know. <laughs> but um, I, well, as an adult, an look at it. to watch Lady of the Tramp 2 Scamp's Adventure sometime. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I can't, can't wait. wait. <laughs> um, I, uh, well, my sister was a huge Lady and the Tramp fan when she was a kid. That was her favorite Disney movie because she always called it Lady the Tramp. Uh, she always forgot tramp. and. Yeah, so it's like we're going to watch Lady the Tramp. Um, so what came first, the movie Lady and the Tramp or the song The Lady is a Tramp? Oh, I actually assumed that the song was written for the movie. You know, because uh, uh, don't they sing it when they're in the pound about how? No, that's. Oh, no, that's, that's a different a song. That's different. Yeah, yeah, he's a OK. I just realized that would not it would be very weird if they're like, lady, you're in the pound. We're going to so- we're going to sing a big song about how you're a whore. And it's like. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of weird okay no i was thinking of a different song the lady is a tramp probably predates the movie i feel like in that case yeah the la- lady um, is a tramp yeah i don't know the words to this i only know it is an instrumental i guess we could look it up i mean you know we do have this magic box that tells us all information but that's then true. again you know with the advent of ai and misinformation on the internet you can't really trust it anymore so who knows anyway speaking of rudolph the red-nosed reindeer who is this rich uncle Pennybags reindeer that rudolph is <laughs> okay here's here's a comic strip i'll read it for the uh, audience rudolph and the blue-nosed reindeer just make yourself comfortable, Uncle Bigby. I'm off to help Santa Claus. Santa Claus? Don't tell me you're mixed up in his shenanigans. Shenanigans? I don't understand. Isn't he that gent that goes around giving silly presents to everybody on Christmas? Yes, Uncle, but giving presents isn't silly. Besides, it makes everyone have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas? Bah humbug! What's there to be married about? You don't look merry to me. <laughs> no, I'm not, Uncle Bigby. Hmm. <laughs> so um it looks like they were i guess they were setting up kind of a um you know kind of a christmas carol type uh yeah <laughs> storyline as rudolph here with a mean old rich reindeer 
I think this is funny because this was from uh, this is from the fifties, right? Yes. Now, was this one is from nineteen fifty three? Oh, so maybe they ran these multiple years in a row. I mean, wasn't this like basically when Rudolph was invented? Was in the fifties? Uh, no, I think he's from like the thirties. Okay, all right. So he'd been around uh, a couple decade well uh, maybe a little over a decade in total at this point and i guess they were like look we we all know the rudolph story rudolph has his own story so yeah. 1939 wow rudolph okay. is as old as uh uh mgm's wizard of oz in the book madeline wow okay so um it is funny just because rudolph has his own story but they were like okay you know that's not enough we're gonna start co-opting other christmas stories and rudolph's just gonna be in them instead of the normal characters so now i guess he's going to like uh you know he's he's gonna i don't know teach bixby the meaning of christmas or something i guess is that i'm, I'm guessing that's what's gonna happen I, I think I think a lot of people think of reindeer themselves as being a sort of you know emblem of Christmas that so a lot of reindeer probably just don't uh, you know live their whole lives surrounded by Christmas and get sick of it. Of course, this is yet another case of you know we didn't know what actual reindeer looked like, so we just drew them as white-tailed deer. Yeah. Well, what do you expect? Americans aren't going to... This is in the 50s. They didn't have Google, so what are they going to do? Pick up an encyclopedia? People would be like, "What? you drew him wrong. That looks like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Caribou. (laughs) Well, um, I guess also the fact is like, yeah, they really did just draw like white-tailed deer. Um, And I guess actually I have a question. I I wonder, so at this point, because it feels like at some point the whole concept for Rudolph is kind of strange, right? Right. Where it's like, he's got a red nose. Okay. His nose is so red that it almost appears to glow. That's yes. what it says in the original song, right? Um, which makes it sound like, to me, like, okay, he's got a shiny nose. It reflects the light, like the moon, to create the illusion that his nose is glowing. But... At some point, we just decided, no, his nose glows with an internal light of its own. And yes. not only that, but it also generates heat like a light bulb. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so there's a lot about Rudolph's biology that is that is kind of questionable. Yeah. And um, these specials, that does, it even makes noise. Yeah, it's it literally so it literally it makes like the noise of like a light kind of warming up. You know, yeah, it sounds. It sounds like a dentist drill sometimes. Yeah. So we have established that Rudolph's light nose is literally a light bulb. It works in all uh, in all ways exactly as an incandescent light bulb would. Indicating, I don't know if he, it, which makes you think like, uh, does it burn out at some point? Does he have to, you know, screw in a new nose like a new light bulb? Does he? What, what is going on here? And but how? And does his nose function like? Can he smell with it? That is a good question. I don't think it's. We've never seen Rudolph, um, you know, like smelling. Have him, we? Like, follow a trail of scent like a like a dog in a Looney Tunes cartoon. No, no. It's one of those things where it's like my Rudolph, my uh, my reindeer has a uh, a glowing nose. How does he smell? <laughs> Terrible. So, you know, taking that into account, Rudolph might be one of the first cyborgs in popular fiction. 
Oh, man. Um, makes you think. Ahead of his time. Yes. Um, but this movie has that, a lot of cyborgs, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, did we mention the name of the movie? I can't no, remember. No, we haven't. This is not the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but I didn't know that as a kid. I didn't realize that there was a special that came before this one. This was the one that I grew up with, and it's Rudolph's Shiny New Year. Yeah. Um, I also remember this one from when I was a kid, but... Remembered very little of it. I, I might have seen it a couple times, but I had also seen the original too. So I was aware of both. Yeah. So I wasn't, you know, they, we didn't, you know, as previously stated, we didn't have Wikipedia at the time. So you, you only ever saw the specials that, uh, that they showed. So it didn't occur to me that there was more than one Rudolph special. So I would see this, and then like the next year they'd air the year without a Santa Claus, and I'd be like, wow, this is really different. I don't remember all this happening last year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is kind of hard to keep these Rankin-Bass things straight, because Santa Claus appears in like literally all of them, you know? Yes. Like of one year you'll suddenly... a different model of Santa Claus each each time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but when you're a kid, you're not, you don't really remember that from year to year. So you're like, oh, it's time for watching that like that wonderful Christmas special, you know, where Rudolph, Rudolph um, oh. you know, saves the, uh, saves New Year. And then he's like, oh, no, apparently this year Rudolph wasn't in it. It was just... It was just Santa with these uh, these two a angry misers, and the next year it's like, oh, it's th this year the, um, the the special is Santa Claus saving a leprechaun. It's for some <laughs> reason, you know. Oh, this is the year that um, Santa is dying, and all the other immortals are choosing to whether to let him live or not. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. It, it's when you're when you're a kid, like you know these things. It's these things get jumbled in your mind, so you just think that like they change from year to year. Somehow the actual special is changing you know when when you're not looking at it like like a creepy pasta but um <laughs> this, this uh, is a good creepy pasta idea right here the the christmas special that changes every year yeah <laughs> i mean it's like when i was a kid and i thought the the snail and the bat and the never ending story were the same thing for some reason <laughs> yeah but still adorable <laughs> yeah well you know when you're a kid um but everyone always tells me, like, no, no, that's just you. You, you were just an especially dumb kid. And it's like, well, probably. Um, anyway, this special, um, I remember seeing it. And I think this is actually the superior Rudolph special to the actual Rudolph story. Um, I agree. It has a lot more going on. We get to see a whole lot more interesting characters. It's not, you know, because it's not a Christmas special. It is, in fact, a New Year's special. You know, we have a bit of... You know, a bit of a Christmas theme, but it all takes place during the week after Christmas. So, gee, I right. guess it's actually a Kwanzaa special. Kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it does. Is, is Kwanzaa the same day every year, or does it move around yeah, like Kwanzaa Hanukkah? is the twenty sixth through the first? Gotcha. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, well, Rankin Bass, I'm surprised they did not make Santa's Kwanzaa because I think they've figured out their Christmas specials did better than anything else. So they just started putting Santa in every holiday. So mm -hmm. that's why you get things like, you know, the leprechaun's Christmas and yeah. the Easter bunny meets Santa Claus and all that sorts of stuff. Rudolph um, and Frosty's Christmas in July. Yeah. 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 And that's this thing is like, it's a new year special, but very Christmas oriented, um, which I, I mean, that makes a little more sense because new year's is so close to Christmas and doesn't really have a lot of its own characters. Yeah. It's one know? of the 12 um, days of Christmas. Yeah. 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 
And that's the thing is if you said like, you know, Christmas has like lots of characters associated with it. You know, there's Santa, there's Frosty, there's Rudolph. Um, most holidays I think kind of do like Halloween has like a lot of things associated with it. Easter has a few, um, New Year's. It's like, what, what do you got? You got that baby. baby That's about it. And you've got the old year. Yeah. Um, and father time who in this, in this is conflated with the old year. Yeah. I actually thought that was really interesting because, um, it, yeah, I always thought of father time as a separate character, even though he, is aesthetically pretty much the same as in he's an old man. And um, I get like, if actually what does father time look like? He's an old man, long beard, wears a robe, carries like an hourglass maybe. Right. Yes. Usually he carries a scythe. That's kind of a leftover from how our idea of father time is leftover from Cronus. Interesting. Um, I didn't know uh, Cronus had a scythe though. Uh, yeah, he used it to uh, uh, he used it to uh, neuter his own father. <laughs> oh, I thought. Oh, wait a second. Wait, Cronus. So Cronus neutered his father. Didn't he eat his kids? Yeah. And then he ate his kids. And then his the youngest of his kids, Zeus, uh, neutered him and kicked the rest of the babies out of him. Man, that Cronus, he had 99 problems. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess. 90, so the size seven after uh, Zeus got done with him. Oh, so Cronus um, and the the scythe with father. Now, I always assumed the the scythe with Father Time was very similar to the scythe with the Grim Reaper. The idea yeah, of like it's you know, you know a, sort of symbolic of you know the felling of the wheat, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and the Father Time, who's also the New Year in this version, uh, does also have the scythe, and so he, he now. When when we think of the new year, the old year, as opposed to the new year, think of, thinking of him as a separate character from Father Time. Uh, but he looks pretty much the same, right? We'd say old man, long white beard, robe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Does he have an hourglass? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's definitely associated with clocks, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the New Year's baby, I think I'm trying to think New Year's baby. What 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 are his accoutrements? He's. The, the top hat is standard and usually a sash declaring the new year. And sometimes I've seen it with a monocle. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I saw now, a, there used to be a wonderful uh, website called uh, called uh, Cat and Wacky's Boatload of Fun, mm-hmm. where one of the regular features on it was uh, showing off vintage postcards, which were always insane. If you ever get a chance to look at some, you know, postcards from the 20s or 30s, they will absolutely blow your mind. But my favorite was the one that had like the New Year's baby bursting out of an egg and it had a top hat and a monocle and was smoking a cigar and had a mustache. (laughs) That's funny. I mean, that does make sense. The caption. They'd captured it. Curse you, bat baby. You've woken me out of a fine sleep. We're enemies forever now. <laughs> I um my I, I believe uh, one of the things that I've read is that in the uh, early days of the 20th century um, and maybe even earlier than that, the iconography like um, the the concept of sending postcards had just come into vogue like. You know, there was suddenly there was a post office and you could just for for a penny, you could send something. So postcards kind of became a thing. But 
the iconography of postcards and holidays hadn't quite been established. So you get insane things like it'll be like a picture of a giant rhinoceros beetle wearing a hat and it'll just say Merry Christmas, you know? Yes. And, and um, so, you know, that, that kind of stand. Apparently also it was like, oh, uh, people really liked sending each other insult postcards in the mail. <laughs> yeah. That was apparently a thing. So I've um, definitely seen ones that are like, let's say Merry Christmas. And it's a picture of a dead bird in the snow. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I've, done, you know, and I've he, seen one that was like a, a frog that had just stabbed another one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you can you can see the um, they're they're, they're wild, they're wild stuff. <laughs> that's it's kind of nice to see. I mean, that's the sort of thing before. A lot of times, you get the most interesting things before the conventions of the genre are established. Yeah, you know. Like at the I same was, time, it's really interesting to look back and see which conventions had already been established. Mm, mm, yeah. So um, it seems that the top hat is an old one. Yeah. It's kind of like how even the oldest examples of mustache twirling villains that say uh, curses foiled again, the oldest mm-hmm. versions on record already describe them as, you know, an old hat trope of yesteryear. Oh, that's funny. Huh. Interesting. Um. So here's the question. So the, the, the top hat of the New Year's baby mm-hmm. sounds like that was established at least by the 1920s. Absolutely. Is it? Yeah. So do you think that that was, became a thing because in the 1920s, if you went to a New Year's party, you would be wearing a top hat? And so the baby did, too. And that just kind of stuck, even though we no longer wear top hats at parties. That certainly makes sense. But yeah. And now it's it's kind of gone the other way because the baby new year wears a top hat. You know, you go to a new year's party and they're going to be paper top hats to wear. Huh? It's, it is weird how that sort of thing goes, you know? Um, it's kind of like how, uh, in Europe, they, uh, they have, uh, gag red cups. So you can, uh, drink like an American. Oh, really? Uh, What are they, what are they made out of? Oh, they're just, they're just plastic. They're just the real thing, but they're like, get it? <laughs> Red Solo cups, just like a Yank. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh, wow. Um, those Americans, they're so funny. Yeah. They also well, didn't you know believe what? in school buses. But Europeans don't believe in school buses? Yeah, they thought that we made it up. Wait, <laughs> what do they use over there? Uh, I guess kids just walk to school or they take public transportation, which is uh, cheap enough for everyone to use rather than having a specific bus just for kids. That's just free for kids going to a certain school. Wow. Wow. Um, Yeah, I guess that makes sense. They probably would walk over there, you know? Um, Well, you know, have you ever noticed that like European kids, when they go to school, they have square backpacks. That's true. They do. Yeah, you don't get that here in America. European kids go to school like this, and American (laughs) kids go to school like this. (laughs) You know, the other thing, you notice, have you ever noticed that American kids have white sneakers and European kids have black sneakers? It's true. I guess I didn't. (laughs) I don't know why, but it's true. Um, At least it was in the 90s. Maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe they've learned how to make white sneakers over there in Europe. I wouldn't know. Um, But anyway, we're we're talking about Rudolph Rudolph, and his shiny new year. In his so, shinny New Year's. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's a very shinny New Year. He has four of them. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the 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 this this is basically like um uh I guess yeah, they wanted to make a New Year's special and they were like, 
Well, you know, and uh, how are you going to make a New Year's special? And uh, this is actually a really cool idea. I actually thought this was a really fun and uh, neat concept for a special. And um, my only complaint is that they didn't. Who has you're on record as not really being a big fan of these Animagic specials? No, no, I'm not really. I mean, you know, they're they're fine, I guess. You know, they're for kids. They just don't. Most of the time, I'm just like meh. But this one has some, like, the actual Rudolph special from Rankin Bass mm-hmm. is not bad either, you know, with um, Yukon Cornelius and, and all that shit. Yeah, like, yeah. That, it's pretty entertaining. Um, I, all, I always remember because, like, when I first started dating my wife, you know, she wasn't my mm-hmm. wife at the time. Like, you know, I would call <laughs> her up and her roommate would tell her, like, oh, yeah, Hermie the Misfit Elf was on the line for you. Because apparently I had a, very, a voice that sounded like Hermie the Misfit Elf. But um, ugh. anyway, I don't know. I, I don't hear. Watched it, it enough to re- remember what Hermie sounds like, so I don't know. Well, I haven't. I certainly don't think it sounds like me at all because I have a very, I have a rich chocolatey baritone voice. Uh, no, <laughs> nothing like Hermie the Misfit Elf. But anyway, but that's a good movie. I mean, Hermie and Cornelius and the Bumble. It's all fun. They're all fun characters. The yeah. Misfit the Year Without Island a Santa Claus is also really fun. That's the the one with the whole miser thing. You know, the, yeah, the more yeah. the more of a cosmology they build, the more fun these are. Yes, um, I mean that is a thing. Is like a lot of time they're they're very kind of um, I don't know how I'd say. It. There's almost a phantom toll booth quality to the world yes. building in these. You know, like, I don't know what you'd call that kind of fantasy where everything is kind of um, symbolic almost. Maybe a pilgrim's progress. Yeah, yeah. Like that sort of thing. Like, you know, you're going to the veil, the 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 meadow of vanity or the um, the Isle of uh, greed and stuff like that, you know, yes. um, and oh. and um I was going to bring this up last time we looked at one of these, and then I got distracted. <laughs> these mm-hmm. these uh, specials are all written by one man, Romeo Muller. He uh, wrote pretty much all of the uh, of the Rankin Bass uh, holiday specials, but he also wrote uh, the Strawberry Shortcake specials and uh, all of all four of the Puff the Magic Dragon specials, and those have that same kind of uh, Pilgrim's Progress feel to them too. Oh, yeah, they really do. I actually only knew that they were three uh, Puff the Spe- Magic Dragon specials. Oh, is there, specials. Is there only three? Maybe I counted wrong. I thought there were, um, I thought there were there's four. The, um, I could be wrong, too. I just know there's the first one. There's w- one with the living lies. And I think there's a third one. But now I'm blanking on it. So maybe I only know of two. Hmm. I know that, um, I know there's definitely a... Th- okay, yeah, there's there are three. Yeah, the third one is Puff and the Incredible Mr. Nobody. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with that one, actually. So, um, we should look at those sometime. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, anyway, so, yeah, there's definitely that kind of quality to this where it feels like it's it feels like we're supposed to learn something, but we really don't. There's there's really not much of a lesson here. Well, you know, in fact, you get a little um, stupider along the way and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there is a lesson, I mean, you know, about not making fun of people, but it has nothing to do with the symbolism of the landscape, you know, Um, the the world that we exist in, because, you know, Santa, uh, he he deals with all these other kind of um, uh, what do you call them? Like like personifications of things, of concepts, Mm -hmm. Um, like 
Uh, obviously, in, in a lot of these, we get Snow Miser and Heat Miser, who are like weather personifications. Yeah, and personifications in, of weather. And then you have in this. Uh, oh, what else? Uh, and and, the, and Jack Frost, of course, who is not so much a personification of winter as kind of its agent. Right, right. Because I think Old Man Winter does appear in a few of these as well. Um, yes. Because uh, I think he tries to stop Santa Claus in in, in uh, like the story of Santa Claus or something, or maybe yeah. that's just Winter Wizard. I'm not actually sure if that's yeah, the Winter, Winter Warlock. Himself. I think maybe. Oh, that's it. The Winter Warlock. So not technically. May maybe that's the personification of Winter. Not really sure if that's you know. So if he died, um, there just wouldn't be a winter. I I guess so. That I mean that look. It, it seems that Winter Warlock probably is some sort of personification of winter, right? He doesn't seem to just be a random warlock who decided to be winter themed, you know. <laughs> so so I think he is probably kind of like, yeah. I I think he does represent winter. Um, but I guess we'll we'll save that for the episode when we talk about the the Santa Claus story. Yeah. In this one. We've got Father Time, who, as we said, is also the new year. And so every year, Father Time retires and a new Father Time, who's the new year baby, takes over, uh, which actually makes it very interesting when Santa calls uh, Father Time his old friend, because it's like, you've only known him a year at most. <laughs> um, but uh, but the, does that the special mean that they all they all take on the same persona and then sort of get shaped by the year as as the year fades into memory? I think so, because because um, Father Time, or the old year, and we see him, he mentions uh, having, um, like, red hair, like, uh, I think, like, the New Year's baby. Yeah, like Rudolph's or, nose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we see the sequence where we see a New Year's baby kind of growing up to be the old old year and it, it kind of implies that like, yeah, the new, the, the baby will basically look exactly like old, old, uh, the old year at the end of the year. And then when he retires, presumably he will start changing to reflect memories of that year, which yeah. is interesting. Complex. Um, and and it yeah, really, it said, it says something about how, you know, even, you know, when somebody is gone, the, we start caricaturing them immediately. Actually, that... Wow. Okay. So, just so everyone understands, because we're kind of talking around what's happening, the, the plot of this is the Baby New Year runs away because everyone laughs at his gigantic ears. And so, Rudolph has been... Yes. <laughs> They're very funny. Um, <laughs> Rudolph God, has been tasked... <laughs> So Rudolph has been tasked with finding the baby and bringing him back so that when the new year happens, we'll get a new year. And they believe he has run away to the archipelago of last years because it's stated when a year ends, that year, the father time of that year, will retire to an island on that archipelago and that island will forevermore just be that year, like running in a loop. Okay? Yeah. Which is um, really kind so, of so kind sorry. of puzzling to think about. Yes. So so now that th there's a lot going on there, um, but the idea that well, because yeah, you basically you choose an island is what they said, and then once 
you're on that island as a former year. I, I guess the island just starts kind of naturally uh, growing accoutrements of that year on the island. Like so, people. Yeah, like people. Exactly. Um, and all at the same time, the year who is now on the island will, all, will himself also change to match the, what's on the island. So it's kind of this weird symbiotic relationship. And uh, the idea that it actually is based more on what people remember about that year than what actually happened that year does actually explain a lot about the islands that we see in this yeah. special. It certainly because, does. Cause yeah. You know, Cause they are not, it... <laughs> not accurate. No, <laughs> not that we, you know, expect them to be in 1976. I mean, 1976, we didn't know shit. Come on. No, no. Uh, now, it is interesting because I think so. But this happens every year. So that means of recorded history alone, or, not, we, or I should say not even just recorded history, but just um, the history since. Uh, okay. Like how many? That's at least like, what, 2,000 years. So that's 2,000 islands. Right. Right. But it, but it's established that these islands go back like to the beginning of time. So there's an infinite number of islands, each one representing a year, like slightly different years. So like, you know, the 19, it'd be interesting to see how the 1975 island differs from the 1974 island, you know, like, yeah, but well, we do have, we do meet supposedly the oldest year of all 1 million BC. But, you know, I have humans been around for a million years? I I don't think so. I don't think so. But also, there are dinosaurs on this island, so shouldn't it be 60 million years BC? <laughs> or should, yeah, 66 billion years BC? Yeah. Right, 60 million, um, million, that's right, not billion. <laughs> yeah. But but the but the fact that it's people what people think about that year like if you said to the average Joe on the street hey what was what was Earth like in one million BC they would probably be like oh dinosaurs probably dinosaurs and cavemen so that general perception although incorrect would shape what the island is like which is why we have dinosaurs and cavemen living to you know living together mass hysteria. Um, <laughs> Uh, now, as a and kid, these are actually, you know, these are not you didn't expect uh, accurate dinosaurs, did you? These are absolutely cartoon dinosaurs. So no. now they look like those dinosaurs that you, you used to get, like the little plastic ones that aren't real ones, you know, like owl bears and uh, <laughs> uh, rust monsters. Um, as, as a kid, that was unacceptable to me. Uh, I. I love this special because there were dinosaurs in it, but it also made me very angry that they were not accurate dinosaurs yeah. and that it, we saw a caveman coexisting with dinosaurs because, as we know, that is inaccurate. Um, but but the idea also, that they're based on people's idea of the year, that would indicate that you know he became the cartoon idea of a caveman romping with dinosaurs, because that's what people assume the earliest year with humans would have. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also, as a kid did not pick up on the fact that the caveman was the literal personification of the year. I, I thought that he was just a caveman on that Island and that 
I, I actually thought that the islands were just places where time stood still, and I didn't realize it was specifically because previous years had gone there to retire. Hmm. Um, okay, doing some research, I found that uh, you know Homo has been around since uh, two point five million years ago. So, and we, but we would probably have become uh, become Homo sapiens around like two hundred thousand years ago. Okay, so uh, this is what is what kind of caveman is this? Like, I I guess he's Neanderthal, maybe. Yeah, I don't know what some, he's something to be. Neanderthalish. He's got big teeth, so yeah, he's yeah. Uh, oh, maybe he's a maybe he's a macropus. He's actually a piltdown man. <laughs> um, that would make sense. The, the one thing about this caveman that I that I think should be noted is he's extremely annoying. I, yes. I, I immediately when he showed up, I was like, God, oh, my God, just you just won't shut up. Yeah. You know, um, but however, um, he has a personality and the others, the other years we meet kind of don't. That's true. I mean, we um, the other because they basically uh, Rudolph goes to this archipelago or, or archipelago, as they call yeah. it in this um, and meets a bunch of years who team up to help Rudolph find happy the new year's baby uh there's one million years one million bc who is a caveman and then there is um what is he like Sir, ten uh, two three yeah ten two the, three yeah the, he's a knight in shining armor with a big beard that sticks out from under his visor we never see his actual face so he's yeah. basically a robot and i i think he's kind of fun because he talks in kind of erzat's medieval talk yes and also very uh, loud. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of his thing. And um, and then we also get, there's a, uh, the, the year 1776 personified as literally Benjamin Franklin, I guess. Yeah. Um, which, again, I actually thought that was Benjamin Franklin when I saw this as a kid. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah but, um, no, so he does is. Does that mean that we have. The year 1776 on the hundred dollar bill. I mean, maybe, you know, it probably, um, it probably cites the year 1776 somewhere. I would. Yeah, it would make sense. Um, well, I think so. These again, the, the idea that this is just people's memories of what those years are or, or not in memory because everyone's perception, dead from then, but yeah. like perception makes sense because 1076 is uh, kind of a, I guess that that's the middle ages, right? Um, so this is a medieval Island and, uh, our narrator says that is the year when all the fairy tales happened. Uh, Okay. Um, I like that idea a lot. The idea that we all decided (laughs) that all the fairy tales happened on this, on this Island. And what's, what's What's weird is that the fairy tales are all happening right now on like the 27th of December. So does that mean that every fairy tale is happening at the same time every day? So the prince is finding Cinderella and putting the shoe on her at this time precisely every day? Uh, Yeah, I think they pretty much it's like going to one of those like fairy tale theme parks where you just like you you watch the animatronics perform, you know, God, Uh, they just they just do like you to deserve this hell. It's just like, yep, three shows daily. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's funny because, again, 
you know, it, it's weird that like, wait, but this is a common thing in like a lot of kids shows and kids media where it's like if you go to the middle ages like fantasy stuff is just real yeah. you know they have like dragons. yeah they have dragons and nobody questions that like that they they aren't around anymore we just had dragons for a little while because it's the middle ages and fairy tale stuff happens and fantasy stuff happens so you know um i, I i'd expect that but again uh, uh, but since people kind of think of the middle ages as being like a fantasy thing it kind of makes sense then if you if you saw that this this whole thing is just the islands are shaped by people's perceptions because yeah it makes sense that the island would be like that then um i, we I get, like the um, idea that there are years that they just we just kind of shove entire genres into it's like yeah. welcome to the year 1966 that's the year all your superhero comics happened <laughs> Actually, you Welcome know what? the year 1987. That's the year that all those scary urban legends happened. I mean, that actually, um, I think because that makes sense because think about it. Um, there are like millions, billions of these islands. And obviously the difference between, you know, 2000 BC and 1985 is going to be pretty stark. But the difference between the 1985 and the 1986 island is going to be very minuscule. So the islands are going to have to find, you know, real wacky ways to differentiate themselves. Yeah. Like we're going to assume like, oh, yeah, all your um, all your uh, slasher movies happened on like the 1985 island and all <laughs> your like day glow, um, you know, uh, par party house party type things are going to happen on your 1986 island. So. You know, um, I guess actually it's interesting because like the, the modern islands would probably be really defined by what movies came out that year. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> this is the year that all the MCU happened. <laughs> and think about this. OK, like every time, every time we here in the real world make a movie set in like the past that presents a probably less than accurate picture of that year and reminds people of that year that island will actually start changing to reflect people's new memories of that time. So yeah. like as soon as Str Stranger Things comes out, all the 80s islands suddenly start like, you know, turning into like Stephen King novels. So <laughs> so it must have really shocked uh, old OM when uh, in 1995 when Jurassic Park came out and all of his dinosaurs became a lot less friendly. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, think about it. that's that island is probably pretty crazy because, like, for a long time, it's just like, oh yeah, my island. It's the one with all the, uh, you know, the the extremely the big, fat, slow moving, uh, stop motion dinosaurs and Raquel Welsh in a furry bikini, and then suddenly <laughs> a Jurassic Park comes out, and you got these fast, like bird like, uh, feathered CG like dinosaurs that actually eat people. <laughs> It's like, wow, whoa, whoa. Didn't expect hey, what's that. What's this? You're cutting open my stomach and my intestines are falling out through my hands? No? Yes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really hate that no yes thing he does. It's so annoying. <laughs> but um, is he done by, is he voiced by a famous comedian? I feel like that's probably some comedian's bit that they were letting he him just do. He probably is. Uh, I think a lot of them, almost everyone in this movie is voiced by, uh, you know, Oh crap! What's his name? Peter, not Peter. Oh, Peter Freeze. Oh, oh, Paul Freeze. Yes. Oh, Paul Freeze. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, you're right. It's Maury Amsterdam. 
Oh, I, I don't recognize that. Um, I do not recognize that name. And okay, but you'll probably recognize Frank Gorshin, the Riddler, as Sir Ten Two Three. Oh yes, I I have I do know that name. Um, now I think uh, there Don Messick is in this. Yep, Don Messick, aka uh, Boo Boo, and many other voices. Papa Bear, Rumpelstiltskin, Prince Charming, the Seven Dwarfs. I feel like was was he he wasn't rock and roll was he? I, why do I think? I'm sure he was. Yeah, I mean he has, okay. he has had an he had a tremendous uh, uh, career over the years. I think I know him best, of course, as actually I said Boo Boo, but I know him best as Papa Smurf. But oh wow wow so yeah he's definitely he's done a lot um, and so we've we've and of got like the original Scooby Doo. Oh yeah, um, we've also got like uh, Red Skelton in this. Uh, Red so he's, Skelton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he plays Baby Bear, and I think he's also the narrator. Yeah, he's Father Time. So yeah, he has a lot of he. Everyone play. Most people play more than one role. Yeah, Paul Freeze plays so many roles. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's uh, he's the guy for it. You know, he's yeah. he's the Rob Paulson of his time. Sure was. Um, but, uh, so yeah, the, the, um, 1 million BC really just feels like, yeah, they let the voice actor kind of just do a shtick because he, he's making lots of like, not really jokes. He's just kind of got like, Hey, get uh, my uh, thing that I do. Remember my thing? Yeah. Here it is again. <laughs> and it's like, is that a caveman thing? Cause at least uh Sir 1062, his thing is, his thing is talking like a medieval guy. So I, I, that makes sense at least. Um, but uh, then we get like, and uh, the Benjamin Franklin guy, he doesn't really have any personality at all. He's just there. So um, I guess, uh, what other islands do we see? Those are the main ones, but they uh, do mention see. that a let's couple see, other they islands. visiting 1492 Island and that people They're, are too busy discovering things like, you know, how to brutalize uh, Native Americans, I, I presume. Now, and, do you uh, think the... Personif- oh god do you think that the personification of that year is just you know basically it columbus probably is columbus yeah yeah okay um and then they mentioned 1965 but things are too noisy there yes a reference in wikipedia says to world events of 1965 including beatlemania the british and the and the british invasion and the growing opposition to united states involvement in the vietnam war Hmm. You know, it's actually a real shame we didn't get to see 1965 because, you know, that's the thing is I really feel like it's unfortunate that this didn't become a series because they could, you know, they've been remaking a lot of these Rankin Bass ones like the Snow Miser and Heat Miser. They should do another Rudolph one and get show some more years because there's a lot of fun ones that you could do. Um, I mean, think about it. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think ni- I think the year nineteen sixty five probably looks like Bob Dylan. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that's a that's a that that's a safe bet. Um, and they mentioned I think they went to like four thousand or something, and I think they were like uh, too busy building pyramids to help them. So yeah, so I don't. I'm guessing that it would probably look like you know the Pharaoh with the double crown, but I also like the idea that maybe the year four thousand BC is a mummy. Oh, that would be pretty cool, actually. Well, you know what? 
there obviously there's a, there will be more than one year associated with the Egyptians. So yeah. you could probably have one of them as a mummy, like one island would have a mummy and one would have like a pharaoh and, you know, um, they may be, yes. in fact, different islands may have different pharaohs if you think about it. I guess it depends. Yeah. A lot of them would just look like whatever person is most associated with that year, which I think makes one of the interesting things, of course, the year zero, right? Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, uh, it, so, does he look like Jesus? There, well, there is no near zero, but yeah. Or like the year one, they just replay yeah. the nativity over and over there, you know? <laughs> Actually, the year, what is it? What year was Jesus crucified? Because that's going to be a wild island. Uh, the year 33, I think. Wow. Okay. So, but, so how many of those years would look, the year that's, the year's personification look like Jesus? And how many would it not? And the year negative Me one, would the, uh, would the new year just look like a perpetually pregnant Mary? I may, well, I think... That's a good question. Like um, all of the since we've established that the year is father time, does that mean the New Year's baby is always male? Good question. I don't know. And where do these babies come from? Well, when a uh, uh, when a when a <laughs> when an anthropomorphic personification loves another anthropomorphic personification <laughs> very much, you know what? That's a good question because I would have assumed. Uh, before I fig was told that Father Time is the New Year baby, that Mother Nature and Father Time got together, and that's where the yeah. baby comes from. Um, We've seen Mother Nature before, and uh, the Miser Brothers are actually her sons. But... So she is not... So it seems like Father Time is an office that's held by different guys. Mother Nature seems like a like an actual person, though. Yes. Huh. So fa yeah, okay. Father Time is... You know, it's sort of like how... You know, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of annual gift givers like Santa Claus and St. Nicholas and so forth, but they're all referred to as Father Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So interesting. Um, so, okay. Uh, oh, we forgot. There's some other characters in this that we didn't mention because um, we Rudolph is also chaperoned around by a whale named yes. Big Ben. This is what I was talking about with the cyborgs. Uh, Father Time employs a whole lot of people who are part timepiece. Yeah. Um, and they've all got names that are kind of related to time. So, again, it feels very kind of like, uh, yeah, Phantom Tollboothy. Um, but because uh, they meet, uh, yeah, there's this, this whale who his tail is a clock. Yes. And. Um, He's called Big Ben because he's big, you know? And his name is Benjamin. Hence his name is Benjamin, yeah. Um, and then, uh, but we also, as Rudolph is going to Father Time's castle, the New Year's Palace, which is in the, the desert where the sands of time are, uh, get it? Uh, he meets <laughs> uh, General Ticker, I think it is. Yeah, General Ticker, who seems to basically be a stopwatch wrapped up in a, cl in a cloak. He obviously he reminds he will remind you a lot of both uh, talk from the Phantom Tollbooth, but also TikTok from Oz. Yeah, actually, I was thinking very big TikTok energy. Um, he's he's kind of got like this. Uh, he he looks a little bit like he's got the manner like and dress of a nutcracker. Yeah, nutcracker. <laughs> yes, um, and he's also has this interesting way of talking. 
because he a, yeah, he's he's kind of got a Southern Colonel accent, but he always speaks in rhyme. But but he but he but he leaves one rhyme uncompleted and then finishes it the next time he speaks. So he says, so he'll say something with the pattern of A A B, and then Tri Rudolph will say something and Ticker will reply C C B. Yeah, which is really impressive that he can, he know, he's, he seems to know what you're going to say. So it implies some sort of psychic ability here. Either that, he's just really confident that whatever you say, he's going to be able to think of a rhyme. Hmm. On the other hand, I mean, this is, these, these are all time people. Maybe they can see what they're going to say in advance. Oh, yeah, actually, that's true. Ta time is cyclical for them. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them that they actually would be able to see all times at the same time. It makes sense. <coughs> um, General Ticker doesn't really do much. He he shows up and accompanies Rudolph to the palace, and then he kind of disappears from this. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he's just sort of uh, gives some Rudolph someone to talk to along the journey, and then he meets another another gar guardian called called the Great Quarter Past Five, who is a camel with a giant clock for a hump. And yeah, th this supposedly his feels... clock is stopped. <laughs> oh, is that what that's me what that means? Yeah. Because oh. it's, you know, um, it's just a quarter past five all the time for him. I I get so I was so confused. I was trying to figure out is there a pun there? What does that mean? Why is a camel a quarter past five and they call him the great quarter past five as if like, Oh, is, does that mean something? Does something happen? Is at there quarter a past five? Quarter past five? Yeah. yeah. Like what is, what does this all mean? I'm not really clear on what you're trying to get at a uh, Rankin bass. Um, well, I did think but, it was pretty funny that Rudolph was like, uh, the great quarter past five. Can I call you quart for short? And he's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no, I demand the dignity of my full name. Although yeah. later he, he agrees to be called uh, just court. court. Um, Is it like a joke now, on, on camels drinking a lot? I don't know. Oh, maybe? Um, I don't know. It's funny because this, this special basically introduces Rudolph to a bunch of traveling companions who immediately, as soon as Rudolph arrives at Father Time's palace, just disappear from the story, and then he has to go about finding a new group of traveling companions. Uh, yeah. So... Not not really the usual way these stories work, but um, I mean, I guess the, I, I guess it's fine, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, honest, honestly, it was like, oh, it's it's fine. We get to see a lot of weirdos. That's the fun yeah. thing about this. You know, more uh, more weirdos is better. You know, yeah. once again, this is all a big tour de force character design thing for uh, Paul Coker Jr. of Mad Magazine who designed most of the characters for these specials, but I think he had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you really aren't like, oh man, I at no point in the special, you're like, man, I really wish I could see more of General Ticker or the quarter past five or, or uh, one million BC. You're really just saying like, I want to see more new weirdos, you know? Yeah. So... So this does a good job of you're always getting new stuff. It's it's pretty entertaining. Yeah. Um, oh, and we also have a villain. More, we've got Nanny Nine O'Clock. Oh yeah, what is her thing? She's uh she's a nanny, well, right? She's very yeah, she's very uh, shapely. She has an hourglass figure. Oh, that makes sense. Um, 
And she's literally an hourglass wearing a uh, apron with a head. So, and she seems to be um, all wooden except for that. Even her arms are made of wood. So, oh, I didn't even notice that. So, and does that count as a cyborg, or would that be like a natural Borg? I don't know. Um, I mean, you could. I mean, it's, you could make a cyborg out of out of wood. I think, right? Yeah. I, I um, think maybe it's just you know. Maybe I guess she's like the Tin Woodsman. She had everything replaced below the neck. Oh yeah, there you go. Um, well, you know uh, the I, I've been comparing it to the Phantom Toll Booth, but there's an Oz like uh, quality to this yeah, to the logic here too. I, that's what I like about this one. It feels a lot like how you know uh, L. Frank Baum would just drop a ra- a random thing to s- hold the characters up for a chapter, and then uh, and then after two or three of those, we get to the Emerald City, and then we get a whole bunch of new weirdos uh, introduced to us. And that kind of thing. So yeah, this is this one is kind of my jam. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, there, there's a lot to like here. It's again, I I um, I feel like there's 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 so much more to explore that I would love to see them go back there. I would love Rudolph to you know uh, visit you know the island of I don't know. You know, pick a year that would be entertaining, and, and there's so many, right? Um, yeah, just uh, have him. <laughs> yeah, Rudolph goes back to the year 2012 and he's like, yes, hello. I'm the year 2012. Opa Gangnam style. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, can you imagine what like Rudolph the year, Obama. the, the year, um, what is it? 20, uh, what is the year that everything went, went finally got fucked? Was it 2019 or 2020? I can't remember. Uh, 20, uh, 2019 was the year that uh, all the COVID shutdowns happened. Okay. Can you imagine 2019, what that year is going to be like at that island? Especially considering yeah. it's just people's memories, you know, of, of COVID-19. So it's either going to be like, you know, like um, like literally a Hieronymus Bosch painting of like a plague field, or it's going to be like, you know, oh no, uh, everything's fine, but the government is coming to like put microchips in us. Yes. Or it's uh, it's everything's fine, but you have to keep working. Put on your mask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, this is Mike. Uh, so Ethan and I talked so much about Rudolph's shiny new year that we are splitting it into two episodes. So join us next week for the conclusion of our talk on Rudolph's shiny new year, even though at that point it will be two weeks into the new year. <laughs>